Hey guys, it's me. Not that you were expecting anyone else. Anyways, Gaming After College has a sponsor. I know, right? We're getting with the times. It's pretty exciting. Anyways, our sponsor of today's episode is Anchor. Anchor is a brand new service that lets you make podcasts, and they make it very easy to do so. All you need to do to make a podcast is right there on their app and right there on their website. On top of that, they handle automatic distribution of your podcast to various different platforms. So you don't have to do anything with RSS feeds. And then they look for sponsorships for your podcast with absolutely no minimum amount of listenership, which is great for me because I think I only have five of you guys out there listening to my beautiful voice and uh, keep going. Thanks, guys. The best part about Anchor, it's absolutely 100% free. So what are you waiting for? Go and try it out. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. All right, guys, let's get back to the episode. Hey, everyone, and welcome to Gaming After College, the only podcast that helps you manage your gaming time and your busy life. This is your host, Manny, speaking. Today, we're doing a very special episode. I will be giving a preview of a review for Star Wars Fallen Jedi, uh, mainly because I've only invested a couple hours of my life into that game and I have not yet finished. And I will also be giving a very quick rundown of some of the biggest games that have come out this fall and that are probably going to be on sale this coming Black Friday. Let's get started. And before I get started, I realized that the last time I recorded an episode for Catherine Full Body, I forgot to include my contact information. So if anyone was listening for the first time, I do apologize. So I'm just going to say it right here and I'll say it again at the end of the episode. If anyone needs to contact me with questions, comments, concerns, or even suggestions of game to, games to play, uh, please go ahead and send me an email at gamingaftercollege at gmail.com. Or you can send me a DM on Twitter at GAC underscore podcast. Okay, so the first game I do want to talk about, and I'm gonna start. Go, I'm gonna start ahead with the uh, the holiday games first, mainly because I do have more to say about Star Wars: Fallen Jedi. So I'm gonna save that for last. But the first I do, the first game I do want to talk about is Pokemon Sword and Shield. Now, I said uh, a few weeks ago that I was going to purchase uh, Pokemon Sword and Shield, but I ultimately didn't. And uh, the reason is pretty simple. I know uh, some of you are probably thinking, oh, it's because of the Pokédex fiasco. And for those of you who don't know, let me just go ahead and just go into a segue here. The Pokédex fiasco was the, the fact that for every game that has come out for Pokémon, any mainstay game, I'm not talking about Pokémon Let's Go Pikachu or Let's Go Eevee, uh, for any mainstay game, the national decks, as in every single Pokémon that has ever been released, uh, is available to you. So let's say you have a Pokémon Bank. Pokemon Bank is a service where you can upload all your Pokemon that you've caught from almost any game onto the online repository, into the cloud. Not unsimilar to what you actually do in the video games, right? You you, you put your Pokemon into a machine, you upload it to Bill, and there you have it. You can always uh, grab down your Pokemon whenever you want. And the Pokemon Bank is roughly the same thing. You can upload all your different Pokemon from all your different games, and now you have them in a central location. So then when you beat, let's say, Pokemon X, Pokemon Y, or even Sun and Moon, you can just download those Pokemon from Pokemon Bank and use them in your game. Now, a lot of people, naturally, why wouldn't you? A lot of people assumed that this was going to be the case for Pokemon Sword and Shield, but that actually wasn't the case. They said that they were cutting almost, I think, and I'm going to get this wrong, and please feel free to uh, to just heckle me later on, um, but I will include a Reddit thread in the uh, show notes, but that included a, a cut of about half the Pokédex, and even some, like, f- you know, fan favorites, like Bulbasaur and Squirtle, like, 
what the hell guys like seriously um a lot of people didn't like this and i know a lot of people didn't buy the game because of this you know what i could live with it um now according to game freak and i'm not going to get into all the politics but according to game freak the reason they did that was because they wanted to decrease the amount of man hours uh to make brand new graphics for every single pokemon so instead they decided to work with the pokemon that they wanted to include in the game and give much better graphics for this pokemon However, in in recent weeks, it's been revealed that they they pretty much just use the same models from X and Y and from Sun and Moon. And uh, that's caused a lot of controversy. So but that's not the main reason why I didn't I didn't buy it. Now, I had it pre-ordered and I tweeted about it on my personal profile that I uh, personal. Yeah, my personal Twitter account that I was not going to buy it anymore um, or that I just canceled my pre-order, really. And it was because of the Pokédex was barely any reason, but also the game was very laggy. The game was very, um, things would stop every now and then from all the gifts I was seeing on Reddit, on Reddit slash our Pokemon. And then on top of that, the world looks pretty sparse. Now, for those of you who own a Switch, chances are you've played uh, Pokemon, I'm sorry, chances are you've played Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Now, I want you to, like, for those of you who have played it or seen gameplay of this game, I want you to really just think about the gameplay. I want you to think about the world that you're in uh, of Hyrule. Think think about the graphics and the quality and the depth of it. You thought about it? It's insane, right? It's pretty crazy how they managed to fit all of that onto this console. The thing is, this console isn't any different than the console that Game, 3, Game Freak was provided for Pokemon Sword and, Sword, for Pokemon Sword and Shield. And yet the graphics look, I'm not going to say crappy, but from what I've seen, it doesn't look much different than Pokemon Sun and Moon. Now, Pokemon Sun and Moon is great. Okay. I love that game. I know some people don't. I like it. It took some brave new steps and you know what? I applaud them for it. The graphics are great, but it's also on a 3DS. Now, when you're releasing a game of this caliber, of this magnitude, of this following, on a console for the first time ever. I mean, I was expecting Breath of the Wild graphics, guys. Like, I really was. Like, I was expecting completely free roam and everything, but that that didn't happen. So I was disappointed by it, and I decided to, you know what? Instead of dropping $60 right now, I'd rather drop $40 later down the year. So I'm still going to buy this game. For sure, I'm going to buy this game. And maybe if you guys are still listening, um, I will I will put a review and you'll hear me say that, you know what, guys, I was wrong. But hey, as of right now, I'm not going to get it. But I know a lot of people who have. And from what I've seen, the game is phenomenal. The game is great. Uh, the game really takes a, a step forward in a new direction, which, which sounds awesome, right? And I feel a pang of pain knowing that I can't play it yet. Um, I'm not going to go out and buy it. Trust me, not right now anyway. And um, I want to play it, but but I'm not. Not right now. <laughs> but anyways, I spoke to a really good friend of mine who did end up buying the game on opening day, and he, he absolutely loves it. He thinks that it's just a bunch of hype, all this controversy. He thinks it doesn't really matter. He hasn't had his game lag. He hasn't had his NPCs freeze. He hasn't had anything weird happen to him. He does agree that the um, the open world area, which isn't the entire world, if you can believe it, the open world area of the Pokemon game, um, he does agree it's a bit sparse um, and he thought it'd be bigger and much more highly defined. But he's never, you know, he and I and any player of Pokemon has never experienced an open area like that ever. So he thinks that this is an improvement.
And I'm inclined to agree with him. I, I do see it as an improvement. I just feel like I would have I would have rather waited a whole nother year of them developing, fine tuning and just making it perfect than having it released right now. But if, if you guys uh, don't believe me or if you guys you don't want to read someone else's opinion, Polygon has written an excellent article and I have uh, linked it to the show notes below. I'm only going to spend a few minutes on each uh, on each game that I'm going to be talking about. I may go a little overboard on some of them. I'm going to talk about four different games. And um, this one, you know, it's there's not much more I can say. For those of you who have been around gaming, you know what Pokemon is. You you go out there, you catch some pocket monsters you train them, you beat the Elite Four, which I actually don't remember if they are in this game. And then that's it. You're your Pokemon Master. You you are you are the very best, like no one ever was. And that that's that's pretty much it, right? So I'm gonna go ahead and move on to the next game. But as of right now, from what I've heard, is this game is fantastic. And if you're a fan, you are gonna have a good time. And if you're a nitpicker, you might have some things to nitpick at, but from but all in all, I heard it's a good ride. And I will definitely buy it, just not now, because it's still $60, and I just bought a new game. So, anyways, let's move on to the next game on the list. Oh, and actually, before I move on, I do want to say that Pokemon Sword and Shield was released on November 15th, and they are uh, only available on the Switch. And you can pick them up on Amazon for $60, or at the Nintendo Shop, or wherever your games are sold. Alright, let's move on to the next game. All right, so the next game I want to talk about is The Outer Worlds. Now, The Outer Worlds was announced back in E3 2019, I believe. I really hope it was E3 2019. Either way, it, it was announced and it, it was being developed by uh, Obsidian Entertainment. Now, Obsidian is, for those of you who don't know, they have made some of the best RPG games in the last decade. Um, that includes Fallout New Vegas and Knights of the Old Republic 2. Now, I've never played either of these two games and that's mainly because Knights of the Old Republic 2 I only discovered towards the end of its like hype and there were other games coming out at the time and Fallout New Vegas uh this is going to come as quite a shock to many of you and you know what I I really hope I don't lose any of your, your uh, of any of um, my listeners with this but I uh am not a fan of Fallout Okay, did everyone leave? All right, cool. So I'm just going to keep talking. Um, so I'm not a fan of Fallout games. I, I can never get over the graphics, um, the, the the greenish of it. I played Fallout 3 for about a few hours, and I was like, eh. And then I heard Fallout New Vegas was absolutely amazing. I haven't played it. I did hear that Fallout 76 wasn't that great. Um, so I have really no words about that because I'm not a fan of Fallout games. Um, but The Outer Worlds looks very interesting. So The Outer Worlds, uh, again, being developed by Obsidian Entertainment, is an RPG-style game that takes place in space, pretty much. And uh, huge corporations have taken over literally everything. Like, they're basically the government, from what I've read. Um, now, granted, a lot of this is spoiler-free, and that's mainly because I have not played this game, and I really want to. I just haven't picked it up yet. And the reason I haven't picked it up yet is because I was waiting for Star Wars Fallen Jedi or... Uh, Pokemon Sword and Shield, and I'm not one to buy new games right after another. So especially during the fall and during the holiday months, you know, you got five or six games coming out within a month of each other. And if I buy all of them, which I've did once, I don't finish them for like another year. And then on top of that, there are other games in that year that are coming out and then the cycle starts all over again. So I was going to buy this game. I actually had it in my Amazon cart at one point, but I decided not to. 
um, so I can wait. But The Outer World, it takes place in outer space, obviously. All right, and you play as this um, engineer or explorer who's being awoken uh, during their Cairo uh, Cairo sleep, the their hibernation sleep, and he's woken up by this mad scientist who is goes by the name as Phineas Wells, and uh, you're the only one to wake up in your in your colony, and you just explore from there. Really, there are different factions in the games that have different allegiances, and one of the main uh, colonies that you interact with is called Emerald Vale. And the world, from my understanding, the world and the story changes based on your interactions with everyone else. And from what I've read is that these NPCs in the game that you interact with uh, actually have like lives of their own and they have their reactions when you help them or don't help them. Uh, From what I've read is that some people don't want to be helped. And if you help them, they will get angry with you. It's a very different game. And one of the biggest things that they drive home, one of the biggest messages they drive home is that the... uh, uh, capital capitalism has conquered everything and they've become the government and uh, it's a scary thought it's a super scary thought and apparently that is what um uh, what it, and apparently that is uh the entire setting of this game is that you're in outer space sure but you can't really escape um a company's grasp pretty much and so it sounds very interesting it's definitely a game i want to check out so the gameplay is very uh, Fallout-like. It is a first-person game. Um, you do decide on your character. Like, you you make them. You do a cre- character creator. And um, now I don't know if it if it's those type of games where you just don't see what your what your person looks like throughout the entire game. Like, uh, oh, well, actually, Skyrim, you could have seen their, their face every now and then. But anyways, uh, it is a first-person game, uh, almost like a first-person shooter. You, there's me- melee weapons. There's different types of firearms that, you, that use different types of ammo, like heavy, medium, and light, I believe is what they're called. And the player themselves have um, uh, technical skills that they can build up. Now, this wouldn't be an RPG game if there wasn't some sort of perk system, some sort of level up system. And from what I've understood, from what I understand, is that there are three different uh, pathways that your person can go into, and that's uh, science, medical, or engineering. And this will unlock different uh, weapons for you and different abilities for you as you progress through the game. And as you're playing through the game, you can actually recruit different NPCs that will help you out on your journey. And different NPCs have different characteristics, character traits, and also uh, weapons they can use and abilities they can use. Uh, Very similar to, uh, I think it was Far Cry 5, where they did something uh, similar to that. But from from my understanding, the NPCs in the Outer Worlds have much more depth to them and much more story to them, much unlike Far Cry Five, where it's like, oh, here's here's this guy Bill. He hates the cultists. Let's let's go. You know, that's it. And before I finish with the Outer Worlds uh, preview, I guess um, I will say that there is already metrics on how long to be, and it looks like the main story is only about eleven and a half hours long, uh, which isn't too long. So that's good. And if you want to do completionist, you're looking at thirty four hours. So still not bad. Right now, you can purchase The Outer Worlds on Amazon or anywhere where you buy your games. It is available for the PS4, the PC, Xbox One, and I believe is going to be released for Nintendo Switch in 2020. And now this next game is going to be really quick because I really don't want to read much about this game. And that's because I feel like it's going to give away too much of the story. And I really don't know if I can even explain what this game's about. And that game is Death Stranding. Now, Death Stranding is a game by Hideo Kojima, and Hideo Kojima has made some of your favorite games, and that includes the Metal Gear Solid series and Silent Hill. And these games are absolutely amazing, but they're also very, very confusing. Uh, For anyone who's played Metal Gear Solid, 
it's crazy, right? Like, the, I can't even begin to fathom like where you would even begin to understand the story of Metal Gear Solid. I've gone on a wiki wander, just learning everything about Metal Gear Solid, and it's it's insane the amount of of things you can learn and the amount of world building Hideo Kojima has done is absolutely insane. And how he keeps tracks of all of it, I have no clue. I really don't. Death Stranding looks to be the same thing. So Death Stranding is uh, is a game that's been teased since, I believe, E3 2017, almost. And it was the first game that was going to be released after Hideo Kojima split from Konami. Also, um, F Konami. I, I would say the word, but let's keep it clean today. Um, Konami is a terrible company. There, I said it. But anyways, so this game is the first game that Hideo Kojima has released under the Sony umbrella with his own company. Uh, I believe it's called Kojima Productions. And it stars Norman Reedus, not as himself, but as a different character. And I know a little bit about what this game is about. So I'm going to go ahead and read the premise of what this um, what this game's about. And just so I can give credit where credit is due, I'm actually going to be reading from a article from a review uh, by Polygon uh, author Russ Frushtick. Um, you can find him at Twitter at Russ Frushtick. Uh, uh, yeah, you can find him on Twitter at Russ Frushtick. And I'll go ahead and link this in the... Uh, um, so I'm just going to go ahead and read this to give everyone an idea of what this game's about and what the premise is. And so here we go. Before you start delivering boxes to and fro, you should know that Death Stranding's story is very weird. I'll spare you the intricate lexicon that Hideo Kojima created to describe every bizarre paranormal phenomenon, but here's the quickie version. Most of America is gone because ghosts showed up and killed people. When those people died, their bodies blew up and people caught in those blasts also blew up. The, in the initial event was called the Death Stranding, and it wiped out a very large chunk of, the, of America's population. All that remains are small, walled city-states completely cut off from one another. Now, there's an immediate need for porters, quote-unquote, people assigned to deliver supplies to different cities, risking their hides in the dangerous wastelands of America. In this new splintered country, that's where Sam Bridges, played by Norman Reedus, comes in. He has developed a reputation as a top-notch porter and is enlisted by the president, who also happens to be his mom, oh my god, spoilers, to travel the waste and bring the isolated cities back into the fold by connecting them to a fancy data network. If we don't all come together again, humanity will not survive, the president says. What? <laughs> so, I'm actually not surprised by how insane this game sounds, because that's exactly what Hideo Kojima is about. And I'm just going to leave it there. It looks like the entire game is nothing but delivering packages and connecting different city-states into this new connected America, try to bring back humanity together. It does, I have seen some gameplay, and it does look very, very creepy. There are scenes where you kind of have to be very stealthy as to avoid the ghosts that are lurking around in the wastelands. And it looks my, like my kind of game. It looks absolutely gorgeous, like super, super beautiful. And it looks like it's going to be a fun ride. And honestly, you get Norman Reedus, you get Hideo Kojima, and you get Hideo Kojima without any uh, stranglehold, without like just free roam Hideo Kojima. I'm down for that any day of the week. And I almost bought this game too, until I saw how long it is to beat. So Death Stranding takes about 37 hours to complete the main story. So that's that's pretty beefy, especially for a new game like that is pretty beefy. And I'm very glad that video game companies are still making these type of games. 
and it is a first first player game. So I don't I don't believe there's any multiplayer. And if you want to get everything that Death Stranding has to offer, which I have no idea what that could include, you're looking at about 95 hours. 95 hours to complete this game. That is insane. And I am looking forward to that so much because that means I get to play one game for months and I love it. Um, granted, like this is on top of all my other little games I like to play, but this will be my main game, which is exactly what I'm doing now. And I'll get to that in the next game. Okay, and before I continue to the next game, I do want to say that Death Stranding was released on November 8th and is available for PC and PlayStation 4. All right, let's go on to the next part, which is the main part of the podcast episode. Gotta relax. This is Earth Radio. And now here's human music. Hmm. Human music. I like it. So now I want to talk about Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Now, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order was released on November 15th, and it came out the same day as Pokemon Sword and Shield. And it is available for the PC, PlayStation 4, and Xbox One. And I would say that this game has taken a hold of my life, which is great. Uh, currently, I'm playing this game, Judgment, and Fortnite. And I only play Fortnite when my buddy's online, so that's about it. That's, that's a few hours a week, maybe. And Star Wars Jedi I bought instead of Pokemon Sword and Shield. And so I have played Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order for about about five hours now. Um, maybe, maybe six, maybe six. And so I figured I'd rather give everyone a first-time account of how I'm feeling about this game and what it's like and what the gameplay's like and how I feel uh, it, and how I feel about buying this game, whether I regret it or not. So I'm gonna I'm try to I'm gonna try to hit everything, uh, story, gameplay. Uh, and, and I will include some spoilers here, but not too many spoilers. And that's not because of choice. That's because I haven't gotten too far into the game. Uh, and also, I actually just checked how long to beat it. It's not that long of a game. I'm just taking my sweet time with it. All right. So let's let's start with the basics. Star Wars Jedi, Star Wars itself is actually a very, very long, complicated story about one family ruining the galaxy. Um, so all these stories like Rogue One, Star Wars, Star Wars, you know, Seven, Eight, you know, Rise of Skywalker, etc. They all take place in the same time, uh, well, same timeline, I should say. And Star Wars Jedi is no different. Jedi Fallen Order takes place uh, right after Order 66, about five or six years after Order 66 was executed. So the Empire has now control of everything. Darth Vader's roaming rampant. And um, Luke Skywalker is probably like six years old or something or five years old. Hell if I know. And that's it. You know, it, it, it takes place in that sweet spot before Rogue One, but after Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith. And you play as this uh, ex-Jedi or ex-Padawan, um, might I say, uh, Cal Kestis. And Cal works on a... Um, I want to say it's like a mining, a mining planet that is building new ships for the Empire. Uh, those big old Imperial cruisers, like all that good stuff, the Star Destroyers, etc. And uh, he's laying low. He knows that the Jedi were betrayed. He knows that the Jedi are being fiercely hunted and any force users are being fiercely hunted. So he keeps low and he keeps to himself. He does have like a best friend prof and that's pretty much it. And so he doesn't really use his force abilities because he's scared to. And the way that the... Uh, the, the, the way the game is situated is that he's cut, off, cut himself off from the force. Like he can't, 
really feel it anymore. He feels part of it, but he can't like give himself into it. And I think it's a mental blockage that is him, that is that's his doing. It's like I am a fugitive, and I if I show them I can use the force, I will be killed on the spot. And obviously something happens, right? So him and Prof are just doing their usual runs, and they're working. And uh, Prof is definitely older than Cal. Prof is probably like 50 to 100 years older, if not more. And uh, Cal is human, but Prof is, I actually forget what he is, but he, we've seen him in other Star Wars movies and, and TV shows and such. And within the first hour of the game, uh, Prof almost dies. And he actually falls, he actually is falling towards a Sarlacc pit. And I guess they feed the Sarlacc all the scrap metal that they don't use. I, I, I don't know how that works. Uh, but he's falling towards the Sarlacc pit and Cow has the the uh, option, which I don't really think is an option, and more on that later, has the option to save him by using the force. And that's exactly what he does. And Prof is like, what the hell was that? Was that you? Was that the force? What's going on? And Cow's like, okay, you need to shut up. You need to be quiet. Please stop talking. And Prof is like, I need to repay you. I'm sorry. Please thank you. Please let me repay you for saving my life. And you know, Cow's like, don't mention it, etc. And then they get on the train to go back home, presumably. I, I don't. It doesn't really say where they're going. And then they're ambushed by the Empire. And uh, well, keep in mind that the Empire is everywhere, right, on this planet. They're building ships for the Empire, so there's Empire troops, or Imperial troops everywhere. And they stop the train, and they're they're checking everyone. Now, it's not entirely uh, revealed how they knew that the Force was being used. Um, however, we do get. Uh, uh, we do get introduced to new force users on the emperor's side um the little sister i believe was, is what she's called i'm gonna get that name wrong so the like I'm, the younger sister the third sister i'm forgetting what her name is but she she's a woman who can use the force and she has her own lightsaber and it's pretty crazy so eventually all the people in this train get stopped they line up and I think she's called the third sister. And the third sister is like, who used the force? Reveal yourself. There's a Jedi among you, etc. And Prof, he, this is his moment, right? Prof, this is this old dude who keeps telling Cal to get off the fucking planet, get off the planet and uh, just go live his life. And Prof is like, you know what? You saved my life. Here's where I save yours. He pretty much gives himself away saying, I'm the Jedi. And then he gets killed on the spot. And Cal, without, you know, taking a minute to breathe here and like just being on his merry way he decides to bust out his lightsaber and defend prof prof is already dead at this point and cow go ahead go, goes ahead and runs away and he almost gets killed by the third sister after this prologue and in this prologue that's how that's how you learn how to use the force how to use your lightsaber and at the end of this prologue, you almost get killed by the third sister, but then you get rescued by Siri and this other guy, I'm forgetting his name, but they're two uh, freedom fighters and they do end up saving you. And Siri used to be a Jedi as well. And that's how she could tell that you used the force. So they end up saving you. You go to a different planet called Bagano and the rest of the story kind of takes off from there. Now, while you're in Bagano, you sort of get, uh, well, not you sort of, you get a much more, uh, in-depth explanation of what the rest of the game is going to be like it's pretty interesting so siri used to be a jedi and she cut herself off from the force because she lost her padawan during the purge and she's still pretty shaken up about that now is this foreshadowing of her using the force later you betcha 
have I seen it yet? No, but I'm willing to put top dollar that that's exactly what's going to happen. And while you're on Pagano, there's this Jedi temple and uh, series like go to that Jedi temple, go in there, beat the trial. And I feel like you're going to learn something. That's exactly what you do. Uh, you learn that in this temple, there used to be a civilization, an ancient civilization that no one's ever heard before. And to my knowledge, this is the only time it's ever been introduced in any sort of Star Wars lore that's canon anyway. Uh, I don't know if they're in the expanded universe or whatever. Um, but we're looking at some something called the Zepho. And the Zepho were a group of people, a species of aliens, that were Force users. And they called it the Life Wind. And... Master Cordova, an, 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 a Jedi before the Purge, he ventured to the Zepho home planet. He ventured to uh, Gabano or Cabano. What was I saying? Oh my God, this is going to bother me. Um, but he ventured to this other planet that you're currently at. And he realized that he sees something in the future. He knows a great calamity is going to happen. He's talking about the Purge. He's talking about Order 66. And through a recording, because he's dead now, but through a recording, he says that he has left a series of trials for the next Jedi, for his successor. And these trials are, are ultimately going to give that successor a list, a, um, a Jedi holocron of a list of all the young species and young creatures that are force sensitive. And why, why does this matter? Why does Cal want this? Why does Siri want this? And the answer is simple. They want to rebuild the Jedi Academy. That's pretty awesome. That is, that's pretty, that's pretty crazy. Um, and according to Siri, no one knows that Bogano ever existed or even exists. And now remember, Bogano is a planet. No one knows it exists because according to her, Master Cordova erased every record of it. Sound familiar? Erased every record of it ever existing. So no, not even the Empire knows it exists. And it shows that it's nothing but a green, luscious planet. And this is supposedly where the site of the next Jedi Academy is going to be, assuming that Cal completes his trials. And these trials include vent venturing to the Zepho homeworld, which wasn't apparently uh, uh, Gabano, and finding these three different sages. Now, I don't know if they're still alive. There's no hint that they're alive. Um, but after these three sages are discovered, they have this sort of key that's going to open up that Jedi temple that's on Gabano. So it's a very reminiscent storyline, actually. I think I've heard the storyline multiple times before, except now it's Star Wars, which makes it better, and I love it. And that's pretty much where I am in the game. I've already ventured to the Zepho homeworld. I've already ventured into uh, another another planet called um, uh, Dathomir, which I will get into into a bit. And it seems pretty badass. Right now, I'm on Kashyyyk. Kashyyyk is the Wookiee homeworld, so Chewie's from there. And remember, this is six years after the purge. So Chewie, I have no idea if he's in the game. I really hope he is. Uh, Saw Gerrera is in the game. He's from Rogue One. He's played by Forrest Whitaker. At least I believe that's his name. God, I hope that's his name. Anyways, and he's in the game. And I believe he did uh, lend his voice, his voice acting capabilities for this game. And so far, things are shaping up. Um, it turns out that the Empire was already interested in the Zepho, it seems like. But I don't know much because I have not finished the game. I've only played it for about five hours. Now, moving on to the gameplay of this game. Now, the gameplay in this game is pretty uh, reminiscent of... if For those who have played Battlefront, uh, EA's Battlefront. Where you kind of like take over uh, Luke Skywalker or Darth Vader. It's sort of similar to that, but not really. Because in Battlefront, you use these cards to do your moves. 
Um, here it's more of a traditional role playing game. So you have meters for your health, your stamina and the force. Um, if you use too much force, you will run out and you have to wait for your energy to replenish so you can use the force again. And as of right now, you can't do much with the force. You can uh, stop things from moving. You can slow down people from moving at you, but they only slow down for a little bit. And you have your lightsaber and you can dodge. Pretty good stuff. Remember, Cal is a Padawan, so Padawan slash I want to even call him a Jedi Knight because he's actually he's actually pretty skilled. As far as I'm aware, Padawans don't uh, no younglings don't get a lightsaber until they're Padawans, I believe. So Jedi Knights, I think, do missions on their own. I, I don't know. We're getting too much into the lore right now. Point is, you have your basic lightsaber attacks. You have your force usage. And that's how you start out with. Eventually, you're able to grow this, uh, uh, grow these capabilities. Like I said, no RPG game is complete without some sort of perk system or some leveling system. So you're able to increase your Jedi meter, increase your health meter, your stamina meter. You're able to learn new moves, new Jedi moves. And my favorite, you're actually able to customize your lightsaber. So you, as you go about your travels, you find treasure chests. And in these treasure chests, you'll find different skins and different ponchos that you can wear. And also lightsaber parts. We're talking hilt, button, laser beam. Oh, laser beam. You know what I mean. The kyber crystal. It's freaking awesome. <laughs> like I'm geeking out about it. It's so much fun. And you can even make your lightsaber into a two-handed lightsaber. Oh my God. Hell yes, I need that in my life. Like I need air and it's pretty cool. It's, 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 it's really badass. And um, as you play the game, it's a third person perspective. You go running around, you solve different puzzles and there's quite a bit puzzles too, actually. And then that's a lot of fun. And you attack different enemies and each enemy actually has a, a bestiary section, right? So you kill, let's say, I'm actually trying to remember one of the enemies I killed, but I can't right now. Uh, but let's say you kill this creature on Bogano you can scan it and it'll be listed inside your uh, inside your uh, your menu inside this like encyclopedia of animals and not only does it tell you like a nice little tidbit of the history or why it's known in the planet but it also gives you hints on how to kill it more effectively and that's freaking awesome this also goes for different types of imperial troops um, which I've already had to run into one too many times. So it's really cool, lots of fun. And yes, you can repel uh, la uh, laser shots or blaster blast, blaster shots using your lightsaber. And that's a lot of fun as well. And so far, I would say that this game is phenomenal, that this game is a lot of fun and I can't wait to finish it. it it's beautiful looking. It, the controls could use a little work. I feel like the controls aren't as intuitive as they could have been, especially parrying. You can actually parry in this game, and if you do it at the right moment, you get an advantage against your opponent. Um, although it's really hard to do it, even on the lower difficulties. So, or maybe I just suck. I don't know. Maybe it's both. But I feel like some of these controls aren't as intuitive as they should be. I find myself checking the controls every now and then because I tend to forget. And then on top of that, there is a there is this huge issue I have that I recently encountered and it could have been a lot worse for me. And that is when you go to Daphomir. So as you're going throughout this game, you obviously have to go to different planets and find this these old sages or whatever. And when you go to when you first start out on your quest, you have the option. Do you want to go to Daphomir or you want to go to the Zepho homeworld? Do not go to Daphomir first. 100% don't do it. I'm not saying it because it's hard. I, well, I mean, it is kind of hard, um, but I'm saying it because you have the option 
No, you run the risk, actually, of getting stuck on Dathomir. And the only way out as of right now, as of November 26, is to restart the game. And so let, let me explain this to you. When you go to Dathomir, you do reach this area where there's this big gap in front of you and you can't make the jump. Apparently, there's a glitch or some sort of way that the game allows you to do that. And then you have to do it again. The thing is, you can't do it again unless you go to a different world and learn what I believe is called the force double jump. So yeah, you can go ahead and make that first jump by using some sort of glitch or something. But once you get to that platform and you gotta make it again, you can't. And you can't go back either. So your only option is to restart the game. And this really ticks me off. Not because, I think it's hilarious at the fact that the developers overlook this. But, and yes, um, I believe EA has been made aware of the issue. I don't know if they're gonna issue a fix yet. And if they do, it's probably gonna cost an extra 10.99. Let's be real here. But my advice to everyone is do not go to Dathomir first, okay? If you wanna go to Dathomir first, go for it, but you'll know when to stop. And you know what? Let me let me backtrack, go to Dathomir, get the two-handed, uh, um the two-handed lightsaber and then leave because there's no way you're going to get past that unless you get that other force uh, ability and they haven't released anything about this they haven't talked about it and it's pretty annoying and so please do not go to dathomir first or go get your lightsaber and get the hell out save it for later i have not returned to dathomir i almost got stuck in that area until i looked it up because i was like i need to figure out how to get past this puzzle and that's when I found it. Kotaku had a great article about it. Please look that up. Please read it because it, it's it sucks. It sucks that you invest all this time into the game and then you have to restart it. So do yourself a favor. Be careful when you're on Dathomir. And then before I sign off for today's episode, I will say that Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order already has metrics about how long to beat. And it's not that long of a game, guys. It's 14 hours for the main story. I'm sorry, 15 hours for the main story, which isn't that long. And main plus extras, you're looking at about 20 hours. And if you want to do everything, you're looking at about 30 hours of your life. I'm a little disappointed that it's only 30 hours. Um, I would really hope it'd be more because the graphics are amazing. The worlds are great. You go to multiple worlds in this game. And the dialogue is actually top notch. So I really would like to play this game more. But once I hit that 30, it looks like I'm going to beat it um, and get full completion, which I'm already aiming for. I've, the reason I've only spent five hours in two worlds, mind you, is because I have taken my sweet time exploring everything. And I'm loving it. I'm loving every second of it because there's even music and the music sounds like John Williams original score of Star Wars and it's so much fun because it's like you're in Star Wars. You are the Star War, all right? We were the Star War the entire time. So, yes, this game's amazing. I recommend anyone to buy it. If you're a fan of Star Wars, if you know someone that's a fan of Star Wars and they have a PS4, Xbox or PC, get this they get this game for Christmas. They will love you. Trust me. All right? <sighs> okay. I think this marks the longest episode of Gaming After College I've ever done. My throat is parched. I have had to take multiple breaks drinking a ton of water. And I hope you all enjoy this episode of Gaming After College. <laughs> like I said, if anyone has any sort of suggestions, comments, or concerns, please go ahead and give me, um, give me a shout out on Twitter at GAC underscore podcast. Or go ahead and send me an email at GamingAfterCollege at gmail.com. I bought Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order because I wanted to. But I was also nudged by a listener of mine, and I thought that'd be a great idea to just go ahead and buy it and do a quick review like I just did right now. 
I will probably be doing a follow-up follow review in the future when I do finish this game. I have no idea when that's going to be. But until then, I hope that you guys buy any of these games I mentioned. Check them out. Let me know how they are. Go ahead and send me an email. I would love to hear about these games from, from my listeners. And I would actually, you know, like to know if I have any listeners. I've been doing this for over a year and a half, guys. Like, I don't know if anyone's out there. Maybe I'm just speaking into the void. What else is new? But anyways, thank you for tuning in. Keep gaming. This has been Gaming After College, and this has been your host, Manny. Thank you.